What's up, Zoom world? Wishing you the best Friday, the best setup to an awesome weekend. Start your weekend right with a great Friday. Forget about Mondays. Mondays is for the birds. It's all about the Friday before we get started today. And I bring my guest on the message of the week. This one applies big time lately because there is so much change happening constantly. And this is something I've heard since I was a little kid and always kind of stuck in the noggin. And it's been fuel for my fire. And if I've ever, I I don't even... I don't even know this gentleman yet. We're actually, (laughs) he reached out to me and said, hey, can you want to hop on a Zoom call and talk and get to know each other? And I was like, how about I send you a Zoom link and we do it on live radio? And he was like, that sounds interesting. Uh, So before we get, before we all get to know my guest today, this message, but just from the reading that I did up on this gentleman, uh, I get the impression that this is a mantra he probably sticks to quite well also. And it is be the change you want to see in the world with that like to bring on Jerry Ashton. He is a co-founder and he was, uh, well, he recently, you know, stepped down, retired, (laughs) if that's even in his blood, uh, from his position as uh, director of education uh, for um, RIP medical debt. Rip, get rid of it, medical debt. Um, he was a director of education and uh, outreach and a number of other things there. He's now on the board of directors, but he's got some other stuff on the back burner he's going to talk about today. So with that, I would like to welcome Jerry to the show. Jerry, how are you today? Fine. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So I first heard of this fascinating person sitting in this very chair. I had Lisa Gus on the show, who somebody I connected with through LinkedIn, uh, Back in February, one of the last live shows we did in studio, Lisa was there. And I didn't, I had not met her previously either. (laughs) Um, We were having a a little uh, think tank at my restaurant where I'm sitting at right now, Della in Brooklyn, um, the night before she was to come on the show. And I said, hey, you know, you're going to be in New York. How about you come by the restaurant? We're having a little, uh, it was, uh, what do you call it? Um, I forgot what a, it was like a round table kind of thing, just with other like entrepreneurs and 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 thinkers uh, that evening. So she came along with Dina Magnus and Dina was like, this is really awesome. You should meet Jerry. And I was like, Jerry sounds like a lot of fun. And she was, you know, she talked about uh, there were a number that that particular event centered around nonprofits. So there were a number of people representing nonprofits here that night. Um, and Dina just tagged along, you know, Lisa was like, is it okay if a friend or a friend or two comes by? And I was like, sure, throw them in. And it ended up being the spark for this and literally sitting where I'm at right now. They were, they were on either side of me and we had a great dinner conversation, super fun. And that is where I was first introduced to the idea of Jerry Ashton. <laughs> well, thank you. You're, you're talking about two amazing women, Lisa Gus with her organization, her, her company, Wish Kanish. Yeah, uh, she is the savant in blockchain, mm-hmm. uh, among many other talents that she has. Dina Magnus is in charge of special projects for RIP Medical Debt, the five hundred one c three charity that you mentioned, and she also uh, consults with me on the side for projects that I'm working on, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into some detail about that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Let's, let's do a little background and, uh, let everybody kind of know where you're coming from. You're a New York native. Is that correct? Nope. California, California, but you were in New York young. Is that right? I've been in New York for 30 plus years. Okay. So I don't think that makes me a New Yorker much as, as much as an extended visitor. <laughs> you went to, where did you go to school at? You went to school in the Northeast nearby? No, I went to school oh, first. Okay. Well, my pedigree consists of graduating high school in a little town in Southern Oregon called Medford. And from there, since uh, everybody was going to the U of O or, or the UNC, and they asked me where I was going, I say USN which was true because it was the United States Navy, and that was the college that in which I matriculated. I spent the next four years as a Navy journalist, got out of there, went to the University of Hawaii my first year, and finished off at San Jose uh, State University, the state college back then. It was the Medford thing that blew me off. I've interviewed a few people and have a few friends in Medford, New Jersey, and I just, when I saw Medford, I was like... <laughs> The Jersey boy. All right. That was my mistake. Thank you for clarifying. Well, I'm um, always happy to be included. Nice. Awesome. 
Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a New York adoptee as well. <laughs> um, so journalism and the military, that was, that was a, an early thing for you. You would, did you study journalism in school? That's what your degrees no, were in. I, um, I went on through college to study that. And then since this show is all about entrepreneurs, they'll be pleased to know that I left journalism to make money. Uh, <laughs> not a whole lot of journalists retire uh, in mansions. <laughs> so, so at the time that I made my decision to go into business, uh, it was by default because I had actually, uh, to support myself in, in college, I had a number of jobs, and one of them turned out to be selling books door-to-door called The Great Books of the Western World, published by the Encyclopedia Britannica at that time. And I was making more money part-time than my professors were making full-time, so I said, I need to rethink this. And that's when I dove into the business world where I could use the magic of words to persuade and to motivate people. That's really fascinating. And it's that that's like a real hustle what you did. I mean, a lot of people talk about being like entrepreneurs and hustling today, but door to door door to door joke. It doesn't exist anymore. I, I'm an anachron- really. I'm an anachronism. The joy of door to door back in those days is that people weren't afraid to open their doors. Yeah. That's that's one thing about the environment. Um and the other thing about door to door was that I had a lot of fresh air. <laughs> I was exercised. I kept right. moving. So I got healthy and I got wealthy at the same time. I became a division manager in San Francisco and had a far-flung empire, did very well. And then along the way, I left door-to-door selling of books and went into the door-to-door selling of collection services, which, of course, is a precursor to RIP medical debt, which we will be coming to. No yeah, doubt. yeah. Yeah. So elaborate on that, your your experience in collections. Well, uh, most people don't uh, can't imagine, uh, you know, from their experience or others is that there's such a thing as a good bill collector or that they're <laughs> nice guys or that they're contributing to society. And. In my case, um, a bunch of guys that sold books door to door decided to sell collections door to door. And that was just, it, it became a daytime job. And I kind of like that. And then I discussed, discovered what I was selling was access to a series of dunning letters that were sent out by a collection agency that would cause someone to pay my client monies that were owed. And I thought that was a pretty good deal. I'm, I'm the guy with a white hat. I'm helping the doctor. I'm helping the local business person. And in fact, there's not a business person sitting out there who doesn't have a challenge with either a day late and a dollar short on somebody paying or checks that bounce, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm in a pretty big world there called collections. And I, I have um, a high regard for people that do their job to help their clients recover monies that are due them for services that are honest services, products that are that live up to what are sold because I would never associate myself as a collector with any business that I wouldn't do business with. So that was my own little true north. Mm-hmm. And from that, I grew into consulting where I went into business directly and I said, here's how you don't use collection agencies. And I would teach them how to do a better job of managing their relationships so that they could turn them into deposit slips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very poetic. That's part of my that's, my world. So that's that's the ringer for the show right there. You delivered already. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. I, I have great regard for entrepreneurs because of course that meant I started my own business and my mm-hmm. own business evolved into um a very sophisticated combination of c- consulting with clients providing my staff to sit at their desks, collecting money for them, mm-hmm. training them on how to communicate more effectively to the technology. So that was what I was offering. And I had a good career in that. And then I kind of lost interest. And it was, what was know, the name of that, uh, that business? CFO advisors, chief financial officer advisors. So I had a good run. But I was getting distracted by other things. 
I started doing work in with in the Native American community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that there were a lot of uh, call centers in India, and I figured, well, if you're going to use Indians, why don't we use a, a past <laughs> <Our own>. user? <laughs> You know, a few of our are Indians. And so I kind of broke my pick in that world of going out. I spent about, I had two years in a row of about 50,000 air miles going to mm-hmm. numerous reservations up to Alaska a couple of times uh, in an attempt to um, bring economic development and call center work there. Mm-hmm. So for a variety of reasons, it didn't work. But what did work was gaining experience and getting a lot of friends in the Native Native American community. So in in my thinking, which has kept me safe and sane for uh, some few years now, um, you you either win or you learn. So there were some times when I did a lot of winning, and then there were times I did a lot of learning. Yes, another ringer. You're just knocking them out, man. Great. We're early hey, on. I want a copyright on this. Yeah, yeah, I'll quote you. I'll quote you. There's no, there's no money in this yet. <laughs> when, when we get there. So speaking of no money, <laughs> now I'm being exposed. <laughs> well, if there's anybody that owes you, I'll be happy to bring it in for you. <laughs> Thanks. No, I want to. I want you to know. I admire the work that you do, both as an entrepreneur, a restaurant man, and you've got some pretty good credentials there. And they're hard yeah, coming, yeah. aren't they? It, you, you have to earn them. Yeah, these are not given out. You have to no no eighth place trophies. Yes, these are all earned. Yep. So here I was. Now I'm getting up in age, and for the listener, I happen to be an octogenarian. So <laughs> when I talk about age, I'm talking about age. So. By that time, I was in my 60s or so, and I sort of kicked back. And then, oddly enough, I was galvanized by a very unique experience, and that was Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, interesting time. We're going to take a quick break, Jerry. I want you to pick back up with that when we come back. We'll, we'll be just a minute or two, so you hang tight, grab a Grab a cup of coffee or whatever. Everybody else, hang tight too. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Listeners looking to boost your business, why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
Welcome back, everybody. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web every Friday at noon here on TalkRadio.nyc. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox. Today, we are talking to Jerry Ashton. He was just detailing a lot of his history, military, journalism, collections, starting his own business, selling books door to door, coming up the real hard way, the real, real, like in your face kind of way. Uh, and then he was just starting to describe how he began to sunset his uh, his collections company, his his consultant company for collections, and became fascinated with the Occupy Wall Street movement here in New York City. Please continue, because I remember this very well. <laughs> well, for the entrepreneurs out there who are ready to turn their dial, because what has Occupy Wall Street got to do with business? <clears throat> you might want to stay tuned. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, first, tell me what your familiarity with is with Occupy, and I'll tell you mine. Well, you know, I mean, of course, it happened right here. I live about, you know, seven stops from lower Manhattan. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of my friends were heavily involved in it. I don't know if you know Reverend Billy Talon. He's a neighbor and old friend. And I mean, he was like he was out there every day. And um, uh, so I, I studied music in college. That was my <laughs> my background. My degrees were in music. I was a freelancer um for for the better part of 10 years and around that time i was just coming off of like doing a lot of freelance work and a lot of traveling and and just being you know kind of like a full-time musician and and i had had a lot of experience in hospitality already but that was when we really started to like i partnered up with the people i'm partnered now with and we started opening businesses kind of left and right that was like right around that same time and um so you know billy and i were we're we're collaborating on a little bit of music together. Um, it, it was my project and I never completed it. So I still owe him a phone call on that. But um, yeah, just a bunch of people that were involved with it. Uh, but I did end up uh, finalizing a track that I'd been working on for some time. And what happened around that time period really inspired me more. So I completed it. It was called Banksters and Politrix. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just a really wacky kind of like Frank Zappa-ish kind of track. And so what I did was, uh, you know, the intent was to use that as a single to kind of uh, hook people into uh, the bigger album. But at that point, like albums were starting to really kind of fade away. Um, so what I decided to do instead was just release it as a free single through SoundCloud. I printed up hundreds of business cards that just had the band logo on it. And then the uh, the link to the track on the back. I took my daughter, who was at the time my oldest, she was probably just shy of three years old. <laughs> And we went, we went down there and it was just like a full encampment, you know, it was like the height of it and just like literally passed out these cards. Like, this is just music about what's happening here, you know, share it with people. You know, a couple of the organizers asked my band to come and play down there. That never really came to fruition, but, uh, you know, my, my daughter and I ended up in a, in a big like drum circle and yeah, it was just like a wild time, you know, and, and uh, another very good friend of mine who's been on the show a number of times. He's a, a tenant uh, law attorney. He's got a practice right there on Maiden Lane. He was down there all the time and just giving like from the streets, you know, kind of news reports through Facebook in particular. That's like his bread and butter. Um, so just a lot of close connections to it. Um, but yeah, it was it was an eye opening time and I definitely I think a predecessor to what we're seeing now for sure. Well, eye-opening is is exactly that. Uh, when when I heard about Occupy Wall Street, I was on the West Coast. Uh, I saw something happening on TV, and there were a bunch of uh, strange people from Zuccotti Park, and I said, "I think I got to check this out." And so, being a former journalist, I took my camera, my notepad, to document this thing, and. It resonated. Mm -hmm. uh, it resonated. The we got, they got bailed out. We got sold out. One percent, ninety nine percent. So what they were talking about were social and economic inequities that were true. They were real. I hadn't really paid that much attention to them. So I'm in there and I'm <clears throat> getting involved and joining different work groups. Um, and then I was apprised of the fact that my services were needed. 
and they had discovered that there was a bill collector in their midst. <laughs> now, can you imagine a bunch of people in Occupy welcoming a bill collector? Uh, you know, the bill collectors, that's the arm for Wall Street. You know, you yeah, owe me yeah. the money. Give me that money. So, but in my case, every time, and this is how they discovered me, when someone would talk about the fact that their student loan was due, I'd give them some advice. Mm-hmm. They said, I'm being chased down by a bill collector. I give them some advice. And so the word got out that this strange person <laughs> gave out advice. So they had one, something they wanted advice on, and that was to create a program to raise enough money to buy, to go out onto the open market to buy medical debt. Uh, and then they wanted to abolish it. Mm-hmm. And what I helped them, uh, I did. And at that time, um, I saw what they were doing. I thought I saw the good in it. They were going to raise fifty thousand dollars and buy a million dollars for the medical debt, which frankly is just a rounding error. But it was something that was newsworthy and it brought attention to this problem. So I did, and I brought my uh, colleague from. My or my CFO advisors days, Craig Antico, with me, dragged him down there to meet these folks, and turned we turned him into the back office for this operation where we reverse engineered his collection software so that instead <laughs> of sending out collection letters, it would send out forgiveness letters. And he was also very very much welcome within the debt buying industry. They certainly wouldn't sell any debt to him a hippie uh, um, protester, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so we served our purpose. We were, in the, we were in the back of all this. And then uh, they did very well. But then, of course, Occupy began to dissipate. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost our home in the park. And they came up to us one day and said, well, we're going in another direction. And... By that time, we'd abolished over $30 million of the medical debt, student loan debt, payday loan debt. So Craig and I were kind of hooked. And I looked at Craig and I said, we can't let this happen. And so on a whim and a desire to continue this good work, in just January of 2014, we hit the ground running, or I should say crawling. And feels uh, like you're running, right? It feels like <laughs> In hindsight, you're like, oh. For all of you entrepreneurs out there, financed by families, credit cards, you know, whatever we can work up, bringing people in to to give us a hand. And we really struggled. And struggling to create a not-for-profit. And Craig's wife said to him one day, she says, why are we going into debt to get people out of debt? There's something wrong with that picture. But we had this desire, and we wanted to right wrongs, and we Mm. kept going. And then the miraculous thing happened, which I'm going to turn into business education for you and your audience. What happened was we were discovered by John Oliver. And you're, I'm sure, familiar with his show last week tonight. Mm -hmm. He loves to take certain subjects and send them up the flagpole and, and make fun of them. Uh, rightfully so, he chose to do a program on debt buyers and debt collectors. He was going to show them up for what they were, but the comedic value for him was that he was going to use their system to go in and buy medical buy medical debt in Texas. He put himself on the internet as a collection agency, and then he bought $15 million for the debt that he was going to forgive. And the reason he was going to do that is because he wanted out Oprah, Oprah. <laughs> do you know how Oprah gave away $7 million for the cars? No. Well, she did. A big program. $7 million. You got a car. You got a car. You no, got I remember car. that she did it. I just didn't know how she did it. $7 million, And she just yeah. gave it away. Yeah. Well, he said, I'm going to beat that. I'm going to give gotcha. away $15 million for the debt. Yeah. Well, there's only one organization at that time in existence that had two former bill collectors running it, a charity that had only one purpose, and that was to buy uh, medical debt and use donors' dollars to forgive it. And long story short, he featured us as the conduit for his goodness. 
he said, I'm thanks to, we are going to donate this debt to RIP Medical Debt, who will forgive it at no tax consequences to the recipient. And he goes over to a big red button, hits the button, money comes down from the ceiling, and he says, so much for you, Ofra. <laughs> less, <laughs> less politely, but that's what he said. So that's, and then, of course, our website crashes. <laughs> because of overload? Overload. Yeah. All of a sudden, from two guys who, who were, we couldn't get anybody to listen to us. Yeah, of course. And then this national figure says, and our logo appears above his shoulder as he's telling about us. And people started searching us out. And from that point on, we didn't have to look back. Money came over the transom. Amazing people showed up to be board members and directors of the board. We had technology partners who could help us slice and dice the data even better. Uh, it was it has been glorious. And this is the first lesson for the entrepreneur. If they don't know about you, they can't do anything about you. It's the same thing with your restaurant. It's the same thing with the talk show that we're on right now. How do you get people aware? So the very first thing that any entrepreneur must do is get get people aware. Now that's just that's that's easy enough to do. You get a John Oliver, or you hire a <laughs> machine, or you know, it's as simple as that. Yeah. Uh, but if you do get that awareness, that's really not the, not going to make the game work. Somewhere in what you're selling, it has to touch people. Yeah. Somewhere it has to touch people. I don't know if it's in your case taste buds, in your case a resonance in the in the audience that you have about the need for entrepreneurs to learn their trade. But in our case. When people heard that people were burdened by medical debt and that if they gave us a dollar, we could get rid of $10 worth of that debt. And every time they gave $100 of that debt for a dollar, and if they gave us $10, that was $1,000. I mean, that's called bang for your buck. But the thing about it is that it took something off of somebody else's back. So it has to touch people. And we were fortunate in the, in the very essence of what we do is that we are taking a burden from people's backs that we think shouldn't rightfully belong there in any country that allows its citizens to have to declare bankruptcy because they got sick, because they got hurt. So we were there, Craig and I, as, as a cure for medical debt in the sense that we would take that debt as we found it and at least get rid of it, get it off their backs. And, of course, when people people learned of that, by the way, when we sent them a letter. We had a, uh, a yellow envelope that the uh, notice arrived in. And in the yellow envelope would be a little note saying, you know that $4,000 you owe to XYZ Hospital? It's gone. That's gone. amazing. Really amazing. <laughs> really we're going to take, take another break. I want to pick back up with a couple of things you mentioned just uh, towards the end there when we come back. All right. So everybody hang tight. We'll be back in just a few. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc.
Are you a curious person always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So now you know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back, folks. If you're just tuning in, this is the Entrepreneurial Web. Today, we are talking to Jerry Ashton. He was just describing how and why the company he co-founded, the nonprofit RIP Medical Debt, uh, was formed. And you said some very powerful things all along the show. But like two things you said, you said uh, in that last segment really stood out to me. And and part of it had to be, you know, that this this thing that you're doing as, uh, you know, if it's a nonprofit, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, it really has to uh, it has to resonate. And and one thing I, I just wanted to mention, like just as much as it has to resonate with people, like it has to resonate with yourself. I mean, you take a time like right now where companies are suffering and some companies are down 70, 80 percent and they're still going. That has to do it has everything to do with how deeply entrenched it is a part of your soul, where if it's just surface level, you're going to, you're going to part ways with that pretty quickly. But if you're really dedicated to it, um, you'll, you'll, you'll give it your all you'll give, you'll give 110% where you only feel like you have 95, you'll, you'll make it up and you'll keep going. And the other part was you were talking about just this service that you're offering to people. It, it really needs to be something that, uh, that people feel like they need and, I mean, medical debt is huge. I've, I've never personally had it, but I can just imagine the pressure people, uh, especially over the last 10 years, with just the, the huge transitions in, uh, in the way, uh, you know, medical insurance and coverage is, is uh, offered or not offered uh, here in the States, what that's got to feel like when, when there's just constant hounding. I mean, I know how it is just from a business perspective. I can't even imagine when, when you have your health tied up in that. So you had a pretty captive audience and that's a huge part. You were kind of talking about how, you know, how you make it, how you, how you, you know, rub the sticks together and get the spark. I mean, you, you, you have to, you have to have that interest. People need to be uh, in need of those services. And it sounds like you all provided a pretty uh, detrimental service to a lot of people. Well, it's um, to give you some statistics. When when we first started out, we had a goal, and that goal was to abolish one billion dollars worth of medical debt, uh, which of course is improbable to reach. Which is why we chose to make that our goal. <laughs> uh, you, you I like Go big or go home. Exactly. So it had to be big enough to galvanize us and get us excited as well. And let me see, where was I? I just had a call coming to my earphone. Sorry about that. No, it's okay. Uh, so where was I on the impact? Making the making just a bigger goal, you know, than than you thought you could reach. Oh to, yes. to inspire yourselves, but but That's, you wanted to go you wanted to go really big. Yeah. Exactly that. For the entrepreneur, whatever it is, think a little bit bigger, maybe even bigger than that. That's number one. So that was our intention. Uh, The last two things I'll tell you about is how we achieved it. So, so far, RIPmedicalDebt.org has abolished $2.8 billion worth of people's medical debts, covering over anywhere from one to one point some odd million Americans here in the United States. That's called impact. That's called impact. So 
of course, we were graced to be in the right place at the right time. And and the definition of luck is is when preparation meets with opportunity. Love that one. You know, the opportunity was there. The need was there. Um, through all the years of learning the intricacies of debt collection, the preparation was there. And then there are two other things that happened. And that is once people were aware of us, once people were touched by it, the next thing that's required is education. Who are these guys? What does this Better Business Bureau say? Is this some kind of a scam? That was the first part. <laughs> of course. Now, having It's too good to be true. You mean, if I give you a dollar, you're going to abolish $100? You know, that's too good to be true. Well, no, it's too good and it's too true. It was all of that. So you have to educate. In our case, that's why we have education as part of RIP's mm-hmm. mission, is educate people. How do you how do you get into debt? How do you get out of debt? How can we how can we at this moment cleaning up after the parade? How can we take care of the debt that's accumulated right now? America has over one trillion dollars worth of medical debt outstanding. Right now, sixty five percent of all bankruptcies are medical debt related. Mm-hmm. Right now, fifteen million Americans will exhaust their life savings to pay medical bills. Is there something wrong with this picture? And then, of course, once you're educated, the only thing that's left is action. Sometimes the action is that people send us a donation. Sometimes the action is they create a campaign for their community. Let's, let's take care of all the debt in Albuquerque. Let's mm-hmm. take all, care of all the debt for veterans. Let's take care of debt for uh, the elderly. Who knows? We're able with our analytics to slice and dice. Preferably just let us take care of debt across the country, but you can be localized as well. That's action. So if I were to, (laughs) and here I am, by the way, as a co-founder and now retired, I have no equity because these nonprofits are really owned by the public. And people like me show up to create them, run them, and then go away. <laughs> and hopefully that that the that the charity will continue because it's a worthwhile charity and it is needed. Yes, so, I don't. I, I'm not sure how how uh, familiar you are with all the things that I have going on, but I have a similar relationship with the Windsor Terrace Food Co-op here in our our little corner of Brooklyn, where mm-hmm. myself and a number of other community members worked really hard going back to, you know, it probably started in 2012. I, I came on board in 2014 and there was, you know, we were just meeting in a Knights of Columbus at the time. And in 2015, the beginning of 2015, we signed a lease and opened in March, uh, a community owned grocery store, uh, where we are in control of the type of food, uh, that comes and goes the pricing, everything, you know, um, and the same thing. I'm a, I'm currently the chairman of the board. I've been on the board for the last six years um, and, and absolutely no equity. I mean, I buy my groceries there. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things that I just want to set up and, and I want the community to have it. I want other communities to see it and do the same. And I would be willing to advise, but absolutely no monetary uh, connection to it at all. And that, that feels really good. Um, it was something I'd always wanted to do. I always wanted to uh, help start a nonprofit because I had opened my own businesses before. But I was like, I was always fascinated by that. Like, it's hard. <laughs> this, is, this is what we learned. It's not easy. <laughs> it's definitely not easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what kind of a product are you selling in a nonprofit? What you're selling is feeling good. It's, you're selling. Yeah. You're making yeah. a difference. That's what you're selling. Yeah. And, and we were able to deliver on that. And obviously any food co-op, uh, any organization that like feeding Tampa Bay, which is a favorite of mine. Yeah. And you may have seen on the news in Dallas, Texas, they had miles of cars waiting in line to go through food banks. Mm -hmm. That's another aspect of debt we must uh, address. So. Right. This, of course, now that I'm retired, which I'm not quite sure what that word means. Um, Just wipe I, that from your brain. You don't. You don't even know that one. I, I'm not sure what it meant. It means something to some people, but <laughs> what it meant to me is that I had some time to think. As a matter of fact, what I had time to do was to rethink. So, 
what I did, thanks to bouncing these ideas off of others, and by the way, uh, your your audience that loves to co-create, you're certainly invited to chip in on this thought process of mine. I decided to get a website URL called listrethinkthis.com. The premise behind this is that everything needs to be rethought. Race relations, voting, politics, shelter, anything that you can imagine that touches your life that is harming it or is not giving you the optimal value that you need out of it as an individual, as a society, we need to rethink this. So I said, well... What kind of people are going to be attracted by that? I'm going through my own process with RIP medical debt awareness. Got to keep people aware of it. And thank you, by Mm -hmm. the way. I want you to know you're the first media that I've talked to this story. Oh, nice. Awesome. It's appropriate because it's very entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. Because I'm I'm rethinking this and I'm coming back into the world of uh, business. So that means whatever I create must be. Uh, by its nature, oriented towards creating profit to meet expenses and mm-hmm. people for energy and effort. So I said, well, educacy, awareness. I know what I'll do. I'm going to do a series of web Zoom casts. <laughs> and I'm going to find people who, like me, have made U-turns in their life, made 180s. For example, in my case, I... I walked into Occupy Wall Street as a debt collector. I walked out of Occupy Wall Street as a debt forgiver. Now, how in the world did that happen? And look what came of it, because that did happen. Because for whatever reason, the elements made it possible for me to rethink my role and the purpose of myself in this world, as well as the purpose of debt itself. There's good debt and there's bad debt. So... Uh, that's interesting. So what I'll do is I'll find people who've done that. And I want you to know I've already got a list of luminaries. And I mean, from people you'll, you'll never have heard about, but mm-hmm. finally will, to people that might even be household names. But they're going to share one thing with you. Not the story of their life, not how successful they're being. But this is the moment in which I made a decision to do something differently. So I'm playing with that, and then a lot of people show up. There's something magnetic about some ideas. Some people start showing up, but what about this, and what about that, and what about, what about being a global center for such things? And so, so I've got a brain trust of people around me right now, including Lisa, yeah. Anna, who are helping me imagine into the it's into his creation this thing called let's rethink this the launch date will be january 1 2011 2021 excuse me i'm 10 years behind january 1 21 <laughs> and i'm saying well between now and january 1 21 i've got to do this and that that's what people put businesses together have to do right yep business plans this that all this nonsense stuff uh, <laughs> And I'm saying, okay. And I'm finding out that it resonates. It touches people to think that someone will give them a a venue. Either that they can learn from people who have rethought and benefited society, or they themselves have an idea that can be nurtured and accelerated by way of this type of a community. Now, that's... Interesting. So right now, maximizing awareness uh, through media connections, groups, uh, articles that I'll be writing, stuff like that. That's going to be part of the invention process. So what do you think of them, Apples? That's great. That's really great. I want to pick back up with that. We're going to take one more quick break and then just really elaborate on like what you've got planned for next year and going forward. So hang tight, everybody. We'll check back in in just a moment. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. everybody we're gonna pick right up where we left off jerry shared one another one of my favorite quotes <laughs> questions how you like them apples i love that one that's uh i say that all the time i quote that often uh and and some other really great things that he was talking about uh his his upcoming website let's rethink this.com i absolutely love the idea of you know you were talking about awareness podcasting and 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 radio and and these these kind of teleconference calls that are either live or just or or streamed and put up is just such a great way to bring awareness I mean, it's the whole reason for me starting this show um just to to bring awareness not only to the things that i'm doing and that i'm passionate about but the people you know again it's it's brought a lot of fascinating people like yourself uh onto my radar and and the radars of others and it's just a just a wonderful way uh, to create that awareness, and you can do it. You know, you're you're in the controls. You're, there's no there's no media company telling you what or how to do it. Um, so you can be as sincere as you want, uh, and I like to be very sincere. And I get that same I get that same vibe from you, Jerry. So uh, continue on. You're you're planning on launching in January, and then you you got a you got a think tank of people behind this. What what's the uh, what's the what's the plan? What's the goal? Well, as it, as it's evolving, uh, it comes out of again eight <laughs> decades of experience, uh, and some of that experience being hard won, as you're familiar. Uh, I don't believe in losing, so I've I've never lost. I, I've learned. Mm-hmm. So so my my way of doing things, I, I, I will either win or I will learn. And the learning essentially helps me win later on down the road, although I might not be enjoying the experience of the moment. <laughs> so yep. so I, uh, being a simple person, uh, I kind of looked at, at life being uh, in fours. Like there's the physical, there's the emotional, there's the mental, there's spiritual, right? Just like there are four legs on a chair, there's a solidity to, to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, well, I did that, that four thing with the idea of awareness, uh, compassion, touching people, uh, education, and action. How would I apply something like that to this world of rethinking, rethought? So I said, well, to me, physical, and there are many aspects, of course, to any one of these words, but physical to me in our world is financial. 
It's the money. It's it's what makes the gears work well. Uh, so it's it's you can count it. You know you can bank on it. I mean, it's a very physical thing. You either got it or you don't, or you have enough, right. or you, whatever it is. It's a very physical thing. And I said, well, then that means that will be one of the quadrants that we need to rethink finance, banking, commerce. And I'm sure that there are people, and I want you to know, yes, there are people out there who are looking at finance, bank, debt, and saying, this ain't working too good, at least not for the rest of us. (laughs) Maybe that 1%, but not for the rest of us. So they're going to be rethinking finance in the physical sense of that world, that word. And we've got bankers coming on with alternative ways of doing things like that. Mm-hmm. That's that's one. Uh, then I said, "Well, what's the emotional?" And and to me, um, you got to get excited about things. You know, I agree. Yeah, you got to have fun. Absolutely. You know? No, my my motto in business was always have fun and make money. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes not always in that order. <laughs> Depends on the day, right? It depends on the day. Because <laughs> sometimes you don't make any money, so then you just have fun. <laughs> not a whole lot of fun. So, <laughs> so I say to myself, well, what is, what is, what is emotional? What, what does that mean to me? And I said, well, that's a playground. This is where people show up. They bring yeah, the ball yeah. in their bat, or they bring their bowling ball, or they bring their fencing tools, or they bring their, their art supplies, whatever it is. There's a playground for people, and and the intention behind let's rethink this is to enable a playground in which people will have the joy of expressing who they are and what they do and be surrounded by not only like-minded people, but those who are not the same color, religion, etc., etc., because in that type of of, of a playground that I would imagine is the joy of showing up no matter who you are or where you come from. So I said, okay, well, that handles the emotional. And there are a lot of people out there who would love to show up and rethink what that looks like. I said, well, what's going to be the the, the mental part? <clears throat> and to me, it's solutions. It's solutions. When you when you started and started working with your charitable grocery, for, for example, there was a need. It was an open playground, you know. <laughs> uh, well, however, you were able to afford it financially or physically, you know, you showed up and you joined in the playground and you came up with your solutions because we are all tool users. We love solutions. So I said, okay, are there any solution minded people out there who might want to help us rethink things? Maybe the paradigm. I mean, it can go as low as how do you rethink um, watch making to changing an entire culture, yeah, being an oasis of thought, so to speak. So then I said, okay, if that's handled, then what's the spiritual part? Want to make a wild guess? Go for it. It means something different to everybody. Yes. You're going to tie into the Native American experience? <laughs> well, it's interesting <clears throat> because to me, it met my work in RIP medical debt, and that is causes. Mm-hmm. Causes. Why are we here? What is our purpose? How can we make how can we make the difference that everybody talks about but few people experience? How can that be? Ha- how can that happen? And it happens usually when within causes, purpose. Mm-hmm. Purpose provides meaning, and that's what we need more of in this in this world of ours. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it. Uh, you know, the analogy to to service. You know, like yes, it it really comes down to like when you when you help others, that's when you really get it. That's when you really understand you know, the idea of service and, and more so the meaning of life than uh, just self-acquisition for sure. And as an entrepreneur, I mean, you, a lot of what you're talking about is what I, I, a, a term, a, a gentleman on the show introduced to me earlier in the year, uh, the, the idea of social entrepreneurship. 
um, and and where you know your service, whatever you're offering, whatever you're providing, obviously you want it to touch all those bases for yourself. You know, financially, uh, especially when you're dealing with business, um, you need you know you don't want to lose your shirt. But if you could rope in some way where you're really like making an impact, making uh, the world a better place, in addition to to you know preserving yourself is a is a really big deal. We're going to have to wrap up here. I just wanted to confirm with you the two the two main websites. Uh, it is ripmedicaldebt.org, where people can find out information, make donations, participate, whatever. And then upcoming is letsrethinkthis.com, correct? That's correct. Any other channels uh, people can can learn more about you or get in contact with you if they'd like? Well, thanks for asking. I would like people to... Um, if they're on LinkedIn, look up mm-hmm. Jerry Ashton. Happy to connect there. Uh, I do. I'm going to be putting a piece out on Medium, uh, which is a, a platform for writers. I also write mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. I once wrote a blog for Huffington Post as well. Right. So I'm going to be doing more of that. So anytime somebody can Google me to find out what mischief I'm up to, <laughs> uh, and if they might enjoy doing that mischief too, I want you to know how welcome you will be. Awesome. That's great. Well, this has been a really lovely experience and something I'm getting more comfortable with, just like hopping on the call and doing no, we didn't talk before this. We exchanged a couple emails, but, but that was it. Um, it's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, once things settle down, we have to get together. You still in New York? these uh, days? We, yes. My wife and I have an apartment in the city. Uh, we've, es- we've escaped to Stratford, Connecticut uh, because my, yeah, my yeah. daughters would not allow me to, <laughs> Stay good in for them. Good, good. That means they still love you. That's fantastic. They yeah. Once, once it's safe, I would love to get together. You got to meet my buddy Jack O'Connell too. You guys would get along great. Um, a lot of stuff in common. So thank I've, you. Really, I've, really I've, fascinating time. And thank you everybody for tuning in. We'll check in with you next week. Everybody, have a great weekend. We'll see you. at www.talkradio.nyc now broadcasting 24 hours a day hi i'm graham dobbin join me every thursday evening for the mind behind leadership here on talkradio.nyc we speak to people from business sport military and politics all around what makes a great leader the personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a curious person, always asking questions? Do you desire to be in the know? Then join me, Antonia, host of So Now You Know, Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Listen in as I attempt to satisfy that curiosity. I will be talking with amazing everyday people. Join the fun. So now you know on Thursdays at 5 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you listeners looking to boost your business. Why not advertise on Talk Radio NYC with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply send us a message on our website, talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges 
business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.